you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. Another uh, look back at the 2018 NFL Draft on the show today. Buck, how you doing, man? I'm good, I'm good. Just, uh... Going through, looking at all the draft selections, trying to kind of figure it all out, seeing what everything, whatever happened last weekend. You know. Are you in the same boat as me though? Like after the draft, maybe the day after, say it's a Monday, and somebody goes, "Hey, you know who, whose draft did you like?" It's like, <laughs> man, I I don't even know. I, I have to just go. It's all so many names have been going in out of my head and teams. It's like you almost don't even know who's where at this point in time. Yeah, I, really, I feel like that because when you're in the moment and you're kind of analyzing it as it goes you're really pick by pick and so you don't really know until you sit down and you kind of see the sheets and the printouts of where did all the players go whose drafts do you really like what teams really really help themselves with the players that you like and trying to match up all the fits and that stuff it's kind of funny because I hate issuing out grades because until we actually see them on the field and see how players are going it's kind of hard to say that hey this team really knocked out apart because I have no idea what their plan is for them. Yeah, draft grades are the worst. So I, I thought on today's show, instead of draft grades, what we would do is just kind of – we use that phrase, as a sneaky good pick. You know, we know those first-round guys. We know who they are. Uh, but maybe just kind of go through each team and just say – and it could be a first-round. But just, that was a sneaky good pick. So kind of our favorite pick for each team. So we'll go through all 32 teams. And then I wanted to touch on specifically the running backs. We spent so much time talking about the quarterbacks. Uh, maybe kind of identify who we think is the best fit. Uh, with running back uh, in his drafting team in this draft class. So we can hit that as well. But before we get there uh, to those two topics, we do have some some breaking news here with uh, Jason Witten. That finally becomes official. He has retired from the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, kind of crazy. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats at the position, um, a guy who has so many receptions and production. I think second all-time on the list behind Tony Gonzalez. Um, really commanded the middle of the field for a long time for the Dallas Cowboys. 11-time pro bowler, um, a guy who was kind of consistent and steady. I remember watching him when he was coming out. Coming out of Tennessee, we had that single-digit number. And Bill Parcells having a great plan for how he wanted to utilize him uh, in the middle, he emerged and became really 
one of the most complete wide tight ends that we can see in terms of being a guy that can block, can run routes, can make plays in the passing game, but is very, very solid, steady, and dependable as a run blocker on the edges. Yeah, I think you used the right words there because that's what came to my mind. It's just he was so consistent. You knew exactly what you were getting. Didn't matter run play, pass play, year one, year ten, didn't matter. He was just the same guy. You knew exactly what you were getting with Jason Witten each and every single day. Yeah, and I think there's some value in that. I know sometimes we we always talk about this as in baseball terms. Sometimes you want to hit a home run, but you can win a lot of games with doubles. And I think he was a double initially and can kind of evolved into being a triple player where you could count on him to not only move the chains, but to also put the ball in the paint. Those are the things that you want, especially when that guy can even become a solid blocker where you don't have to play with extra offensive linemen. You don't have to necessarily use him as a jumbo wide receiver. You really have a wide tight end because it's really a lost position in today's game. No question. All right, that's uh, interesting to see how the Dallas Cowboys move forward there. They've got some intriguing guys at the position. Rico Gathers, who we saw kind of tear up the preseason last year, the former basketball player. Anxious to see what he does uh, this year. But uh, uh, also going in the draft, they got Dalton Schultz in that draft as well. So they've got some bodies there they can uh, they can definitely uh, rotate through. No, nobody is going to replace Jason Witten, though, in terms of just how consistent and steady he was. Definitely a first ballot you think he's a first oh. ballot Hall of Famer? He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, I guarantee it. That must be He's on. like, when you look at That's the, reception, like receptions, he's he's way up there. No, no, I know way he's, up there I know he's way up there, but he, he played in an era with Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Rob Gronkowski, and it never at any point did I feel like Jason Witten was the best. I know he will get the longevity pass, and I know the likability and the numbers are what they are, but man, like... If T.O. can't get first ballot, like first ballot? Yeah, Buck, he's uh, uh, in the in the league, he's fourth all time in receptions. So while it's not while it's not okay, was he ever the most dominant player? Jerry Rice, Tony Gonzalez, Larry Fitzgerald, Jason Witten, number four all time. Like he's gonna, he's gonna that with a star on his helmet, fourth all time leading receiver in the NFL, Jeez. he's for he'll go in the first ballot, I guarantee it. I'm going to have to consult Orange Peel and see what Orange Peel says. See what Elliot Harrison, our, our uh, noted NFL historian, says. He's a Cowboys fan. Of course he's going to say. I know. I just wonder, I, wonder, I wonder what he's going to say. Like, yeah, I guess so. Maybe. God, it's crazy. All right. You just, I tried to gloss. You just, well, you were going to gloss over that. You are going to jump right in on that. You wanted to have a little, little uh, discussion no, I just there. wanted to see, like, a, man. Because I've, I've seen it, Pat. I've seen it kind of thrown around on our network all, all day. And I'm like, man, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I do like the theory, though, your theory of saying, like, were you ever the best? Were you ever the best? That, to me, are the no-doubters. Was there a period of time where you were the best dude? And that was why, really truthfully, why TD got in. Because people talked about Terrell Davis and the longevity. How I'm like, dude, he was the, he he was was the best. Not just the best running back. He was the best player in the league for more than one season. Like, that, that's got to count for something. Yes, for sure. All right, let's go. Let's start Patriots here. What's your, uh, what's your sneaky good pick of the Braxton Berrios, six-round pick for the New England Patriots, to me, is sneaky good. And the reason it's sneaky good is because I think the Patriots know exactly what they want in a slot receiver. They prefer to have these guys that are part punt returners, part tough guys, part route runners. And I think he is kind of that guy. He's a really, really good player, really accomplished at Miami, did a great job his final season getting open, had nine touchdowns. I think when you look at the history that the Patriots have had, he is just their kind of guy. I would think that he has a lot of success as that slot receiver, as the heir apparent to Julian Edelman and Russ Walker and Danny Amendola and 
the list goes on and on and on. Braxton Barriers has the qualities to fit that role to a T. Yeah, I, I like where you're looking where you're looking there in terms of just finding a role. I'll go to the defensive side of the ball. Second round, 56th pick, Duke Dawson from Florida, who I think is one of the best nickel corners in this entire draft. He's got experience. You're not having to project him inside and wondering how he's going to hold up. He's played inside there for the Gators. I think he's somewhere they can step in and get some early playing time. Uh, for, for Coach Belichick playing in the slot, being able to match up. He's going to actually have to match up uh, with Danny Amendola a couple times a year now when they played the, the Miami Dolphins. So I, I like his fit there. I thought that was a sneaky good pick. Very, very good pick. Very good pick for them. Um, you know, they. I think they may, may have gotten it right with that pick because he does fit a role that they desperately need to fill because when you lose Malcolm Butler, you have to have someone that can come in and do that. All right, let's go to the Bills here. Sneaky good pick for the Bills. I don't know if you can say the first pick is a sneaky good pick, but I'm going to say that Josh Allen is going to end up being a very good pick for the Buffalo Bills. And part of the reason why I'm going to say that is because the front office and the coaching staff knew exactly what they were looking for in a quarterback. They wanted a guy who was big and athletic, who had a strong arm, who could play in those conditions, but also give them the ability to make plays. Look, I took him to task for his completion percentage and some of the other things that he didn't do very well against big-time competition. But we have seen teams elevate the play of the quarterback by surrounding them with the right pieces. I believe Josh Allen is a quarterback that they wanted, and they're going to do everything in their power to give him the big-body pass catchers, the run-heavy offense to allow him to succeed. I don't think he will ever be a 60-plus percent completion passer, but I do believe he can be a successful and winning quarterback up in Buffalo. Yeah, he's got to generate some big plays. That's what you got to do to offset some of the, uh, the accuracy woes is hit some big plays down the field. You can make up for that. I'll, I'll go third round Harrison Phillips, a guy that throughout the process I compared to Kyle Williams, and here he goes to the Buffalo Bills to get a chance to play with Kyle Williams. So uh, I thought that was good value for them at pick number 96. He was one of the top 50 players in the draft, in my opinion. So I thought that was a sneaky good pick. I think it is a good pick. I think he's the blue-collar, uh, hard-heading and lunch bell guy that kind of fits their defense. And they lost a lot last year when they got rid of uh, Marcel Darius. He can kind of give them some of that toughness uh, against the run and also a little pocket push against the pass that they lost when Marcel Darius was traded away to Jacksonville. All right, let's uh, keep it rolling here with the Dolphins. Uh, how about Kellen Bellage? fourth round pick from Arizona State going to the Dolphins. I think this is a guy that could really be, um, we talk about those guys like Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara kind of coming out of the coffin and emerging as big time players. I think Balazs has all the physical traits that you look for at the position. He's big, he's fast, he's shown the ability to be physical, and he can catch the ball out the backfield. In today's game, he is the perfect every down running back. We'll see how it translates in Miami, but I think he has an opportunity to be a really, really big time player for them. I like that one down. Mike Gusecki, who's a really athletic receiver and tight end out of Penn State, did not block a soul. They're not going to ask him to block a soul because after they took him in the second round, they came back in the fourth round, went to Notre Dame, got Durham Smythe, who's one of the better blocking tight ends in this year's draft. So I thought it was great to be able to get a guy that can help your run game and Smythe and go ahead and get Gusecki, who's going to really be a weapon there in the passing game. So getting those two tight ends with different skill sets, I thought was uh, was sneaky good. Very, very good. Um, pretty solid, making sure you compliment what you have at the position look Gasecki is really a jumbo slot receiver they're going to use him and displace him he's really a wide receiver when he comes onto the field you got to treat him like your nickel but now having a tight end that can also kind of be rock solid to give you something in the run game that's what you need to balance it out all right Jets how about Perry Nickerson cornerback from Tulane 
This is a guy who has tremendous ball skills, outstanding speed and explosiveness, does a great job playing what I think is going to be his role in the future, and that's being a sub corner, a nickel or dime corner, a guy that can come in whether he plays outside or inside. I just believe his ball skills and instincts will allow him to have success even though he comes into the league as a six-round pick. Yeah, I, I'm good with that one too. I, I like his uh, his production jumps off the page, and you mix that in with the speed that he has. It's a nice combination for a six round pick. I'm gonna go round four though. The tight end Chris Herndon from Miami talked about him a bunch on Path to the Draft. I, he was one of my favorite tight ends in this class, and if he had been healthy throughout the entire season and through the whole process, I think he would have been a second round pick. I, I really do. He he jumped off the page or jumped off the screen the year before when you were studying David and Joku. You noticed Chris Herndon, so I thought getting Sam Darnold to a playmate there in the fourth round. Chris Herndon was a great value pick. I think he was a great value. David Njoku gave him a rousing endorsement about his talent, his athleticism. I think he would be a really, really good player for them. All right, let's get to the AFC North. How about the Steelers? <laughs> James Washington, second-round pick. Um, we have seen the Steelers develop these wide receivers that are outside the first round. I think Washington is the next in the long line of guys that, are be, that have been success stories. He is a terrific playmaker, dominated the Big 12 as a vertical stretch player. And even though he didn't necessarily test to the times that we think that he would test on tape, he is unguardable when the ball is in the air. I think when you have a James Washington to go with a Juju Smith-Schuster and an Antonio Brown, you have a diverse wide receiver core and one that gives Ben Roethlisberger a lot of options when he's passing. I'm with you on that one. I, I'm going to just use the same one. I look at some of the other picks they had. I like Chooks Okafor. Okra four out of Western Michigan, a tackle was a good pick where they got him. Uh, but to me, James Washington in the third round, or sorry, James Washington in the second round, pick number 60, I thought still was good value and uh, it's going to be a nice compliment to what they already have there. So I'll join you on the James Washington train there. How about the Ravens? Uh, with the Ravens, I'm going to go for two, two for one. I'm going to say the tight ends, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. And the reason the tight ends are so critical, because we'll talk a lot of about Lamar Jackson and how this is going to be the Lamar Jackson takeover. But let's focus now on Joe Flacco. When Joe Flacco was at his best, he had two tight ends at his disposal. Dennis Pitta played a huge role in helping him be successful as a passer. And Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews, you have two guys that can work the middle of the field. Uh, Hayden Hurst is really more of a complete Y where Andrews is more of that uh, H that can move around and do things. But I think what you're doing is you're now giving Joe Flacco guys over the middle that can do damage inside the numbers. I think that plays well to his skill set. No, I like that. It was, uh, was Pitta and Ed Dixon, right? In yes. That, in that same draft that year. Uh, off the grid a little bit and go developmental player in the sixth round, Greg Sanat, the uh, the tackle from Wagner, Ooh. who we saw at the mm-hmm. East-West game, who just, he's an athletic freak now. I mean, he's obviously is a big jump up in competition. Uh, you're going to have to redshirt him. He might even be a practice squad guy year one. But I like it. I like when you get into the later portion of the draft, round six, round seven. Swing for the fences, man. Get some upside guys that uh, have a chance to really develop and, and develop into starters, uh, not just getting a bunch of guys that are going to be backups and, and have a limited ceiling. So I, I like the the uh, calculated risk there, Greg Sonat in the sixth round out of Wagner. No, I like that as well. Um, I think they've done a really good job. He's a good basketball player who has the athleticism. And now we're seeing with all offensive linemen, it doesn't matter whether you're a top pick or one of those guys that is an undrafted or a late pick, they all develop the same because the challenges of finding offensive linemen at a collegiate level. All right, Cincinnati Bengals, Buck. You know, I, this is kind of a Warren Buffett draft to me. They took a lot of brand names, a lot of big school guys, a lot of guys that you were very, very familiar with. How about Malik Jefferson, third-round pick, 78th overall from Texas playing linebacker? 
We have seen their issues that they've had with Vontez Burfecht trying to keep him up. They went and got a guy, an outside linebacker that is versatile, that maybe he can either fill in and replace Vontez Burfecht down the line. And Jefferson, I felt like he was never he never found his role at Texas, but you couldn't deny the production. You can't deny the athleticism. It's about putting him in a position where he can really play to those strengths. If the Bengals do that, I think they've got a front line started for the next five or so years. Yeah, this is actually – the whole draft is sneaky good. I, when I look at this Bengals draft, I don't know if we've talked much about them, but, mm. man, I, I like what they did. Up and down the line, you mentioned brand names. You know exactly what you're buying with a lot of these guys. And, uh, you know, Mark Walton, who I love from Miami, yep. the running back in the fourth round. Darius Phillips, one of the best returners in the draft at Western Michigan in the fifth round. Logan Woodside in the seventh round. I mean, that's that's good value for him as a player. But I'm going to go to their, their final pick for my sneaky good pick, and that's Auden Tate. Uh, big wide receiver from Florida State. Did not test well. You knew he wouldn't test well. But when you watch him, especially you get down in the red zone, uh, his big body, he knows how to box people out. He could be a guy that doesn't have to have a ton of catches. He could have five, six touchdowns as a seventh-round pick next year. It wouldn't totally shock me. No, it wouldn't totally shock me. He is big. He's physical. He jumps into a crowded wide receiver room. But I do believe there's a role for him. If he can just get in A.J. Green's pocket and really learn to cease to do some of the things that A.J. Green is able to do as a big receiver. He doesn't have the speed or explosiveness, but just playing the game big, I think he certainly can impact them as that fifth or sixth receiver on that squad. All right, let's go to the Browns here. What do you think? You know, the Browns are interesting, and I'm going to go all the way down to pick four, and it's a high-risk, high-reward pick. But Antonio Callaway in the fourth round, look, on tape, if he didn't have the issues away from the field – this guy arguably would have been the first receiver taken. Like, he dominated in the SEC when he was available. He's smooth, he's fluid, he's explosive, catches the ball, can run away from defenders when he gets the ball in traffic. The big thing that you're banking on is that you can straighten out his character concerns. Don't like the fact that he tested dirty at the combine. However, on a talent basis on day three, that's when you are prone to take some gambles. This is one that could pay huge dividends for them, much like Tyreek Hill paid big dividends for the Kansas City Chiefs when Dorsey was there as well. Yeah, no question. I, look, I love a lot of these guys here. Austin Corbett in the second round is one of my favorite players. Nick Chubb, uh, you mentioned Callaway and his ability. But I want to go all the way down to round number six. You mentioned a wide receiver. I'm mentioning another one, Damian Ratley. Uh, from Texas A&M. I did him Ooh. late in the process. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a pop-up guy, Buck, but he tore it up down the stretch last year. Uh, catches everything. He's got some size. My favorite guys I watched at the at the end of the process. So to get him in round number six, he was one of my favorites. Hey, he's a good player. He did kind of come out of nowhere because you keep looking at Christian Kirk and you're wondering, Who's this little guy over here that's making some plays? He made some big <laughs> plays down the stretch. And Kevin Sumlin really put a strong endorsement on him. Lance Zerlin talked about that on our draft coverage. And so I am all aboard. Like, to get him where they got him at the bottom of the draft, uh, sometimes those guys end up turning out to be really, really good players and role players that make contributions. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's switch divisions here. Let's get over to the AFC South and the Jacksonville Jags. You know, it's funny because I think either guy that I pick, I would I would take one of your guys, so you'll take the next. I'm going to say DJ Chark because I'll leave Ronnie Harrison for you with the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> and DJ Chark, what they're getting is the way the Jacksonville Jaguars are set up to play offense, they're going to run the ball, they're going to force you to drop a defender in the box, and then they're going to try and throw it over your head. DJ Chark is the ideal vertical receiver to do that. We talk about his speed, his explosiveness, the ability to separate from coverage. On those vertical passes from Blake Bortles, I can see him being a guy that averages 17, 18 yards per catch. He may only get two or three a game, but those big plays flip the field, and it should allow the Jacksonville Jaguars offense to be more potent 
this year than it was a season ago. Yeah, I love Chark. I appreciate you leaving me uh, Harrison, though. To me, look, he's played at a high level on the best defense in college football for several years. Um, he's versatile. He's smart. He's tough. He can play the ball. I mean, I don't. I still, for the life of me, I don't know what's out there on him that he should fall to the 93rd overall pick. But the Jacksonville Jaguars ought to get on their knees and thank the good Lord that it happened <laughs> because they got that's a steal. That is a steal to get him in the third round. And then I'll throw one one bonus one in here. Leon Jacobs, uh, outside linebacker from Wisconsin, who's real, real explosive, a little stiff, uh, but an explosive player in the seventh round. I thought was uh, definitely a sneaky good pick. Yeah, moving on to the Tennessee Titans. Look, I'm going to stick with my guy. I've stuck with him for the entire process. How about Harold Landry from Boston College going in the second round? Uh, we thought he would be maybe – I thought he would be maybe a borderline first-round pick. But to get him 41st overall pick, ninth pick of the second round, I think it was a really good move. And I think it's one where you're seeing that the Tennessee Titans are trying to overhaul their defense, a little more athleticism, a little more toughness. They want to be the bully on the block. Harold Landry is a guy that can get after the passer – didn't have a great final season, but you go back two years ago, he can bend and burst, first-step quickness. And I've always said pass rushing is an art more so than an athletic skill. I think he has the artistry down. I think he's going to be a terrific pass rusher off the edge. He can definitely bend. I mean, I think the size is probably one of the reasons why he slipped a little bit uh, to pick number 41. I Luke Falk, for me, in the sixth round, I would have considered him. You know, I would have loved him in the third round. I would have been okay with it if he, somebody took him in the bottom of the second round. Wouldn't have shocked me. Uh, tough, consistent, accurate. He's won a ton of football games. He's a he's smart. All he checks a lot of boxes. He doesn't ha- have a huge arm. That, that was the big knock on Luke Falk, and he'd been dinged up a little bit. But man, the Tom Brady pick number one ninety nine. Uh, I mean, that's that's a uh, that's a steal to me. That's definitely not even a sneaky good pick. That's just flat out a good pick. That is a really good pick for him. Um, the the fact that he is able to come in there, um, he's smart, and he might get his chance because. You know, our guy's been hurt a little bit. Marcus has been banged around a little bit. Gives him a different change of pace. The thing that it signals, though, the Titans are definitely going to change their offense because some of the stuff that you do with Marcus, you can't do for Luke Falk. I would probably, I think we're probably going to see a more traditional version of the West Coast offense with Matt LaFleur taking over as the offensive coordinator, uh, seeing if they can maximize what uh, Marcus Mariota is at quarterback. That should also fit Luke Falk's skill set well as well. All right, Colts. Uh, I'm going to go to the fourth round. And, man, well, you know, yeah, I'm going to go to the fourth round. I'm going to go with Naheem Hines, the running back from NC State. And the reason I'm going to go with him is I like their starter, the guy that should have penciled in to start, Marlon Mack. But they do need a little bit of juice out the backfield. Naheem Hines can absolutely fly. He might have been the best pass-catching small running back that we could see on day three. His ability to create mismatches in space, catch the ball, make something happen on misdirections, delays, and draws, he could be a terrific contributor to this offense. As they're trying to protect Andrew Luck, they need more running backs in the stable that can make things happen on short passes. Naheem Hines is an explosive playmaker out the backfield. Yeah, definitely had some explosiveness there on offense. You know, you know, we both love Darius Leonard in the second round, that linebacker from South Carolina State. I'll leave that one alone. Uh, but Tyquan Lewis, to me, uh, round two, uh, pick 64. I believe that's the last pick in the uh, in the second round there. Uh, out of Ohio State, can play inside a tackle, can play in. You could even stand him up a little bit. Very versatile, very, very powerful, plays hard. And it was at the uh, Cotton Bowl where he dominated against USC. So I thought that was a good pick there for the Colts. 
Very good pick, power player, power rusher, does a great job of being able to come in there. And with the Colts, they really tried to address all their concerns with all those picks in the second round. Uh, hats off to Chris Bell and his crew. I like that pick. All right, keep us rolling here, bud. Here we go, fourth round for the Houston Texans. How about Kiki Cote from Texas Tech? When Bill O'Brien said that he was going to go all in with Deshaun Watson, they were going to really build this offense around him, to me it meant that they were going to go fully into the spread, open it up, have some playmakers that can get it. A couple years ago they took Braxton Miller. We thought that he would emerge and be a dominant player as a slot receiver. Hasn't really materialized. But the one thing I know about Kiki Koti and the slot, he is explosive. He's fast. He can take the top off the defense. And now you have a faster unit that you can put on the field with Koti, Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins as the number one, with Deshaun Watson also being a dual threat. I like the direction of the Texans' offense because they have more speed and explosiveness on the field. No, I, I like that one. I, look, my sneaky good pick is, is their first pick. But considering their first pick wasn't until the third round, I think I can get away with that. You know, Justin Reed – it was one of those deals where I, there was talk of him going in the first round, and I thought, ah, I do not see him there. I do not think he's he's a first-round player. But to get him in the third round, I, now I think we're talking. I think you're getting good value there. Height, weight, speed, he's got some production. Uh, I think where they found him in the third round was uh, was good value. Very good value. I think solid overall selection. They had a really solid draft considering what they had coming in. I didn't know if they were going to have enough picks to be able to do anything, but I think they accomplished what they wanted to on draft day. All right, Chiefs. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs are a, a tough one because they also, they had given away their first-round pick, and they lost some stuff when you lose a Marcus Peters. So I'm going to say the guy that I like the most, oh, man. How about Dorian O'Daniel from Clemson? Third-round pick. Um, they needed a linebacker. You lose Derek Johnson. you got to have some other people that can come in and do some things. I think O'Daniel has a chance to be a pretty solid player for them, and I expect him to kind of jump in the mix right away. He's tough, he's fast, he's physical, does a great job instinctively making plays. I think he has a chance to be a solid guy in the middle. I'm going to go with the Brandon Meebane clone here and Derek Nottie from uh, from Florida State. Just oh, kind of a, my guy, just Nottie. a, just a sawed-off, just strong leverage <laughs> player there inside. From underneath your pads and push the pocket a little bit in the pass game, and he can hold the point of attack in the run game, so... Uh, definitely a good player. Also, I mean, a little bit of Kelly Gregg, who was around with the Baltimore Ravens, just a little, little shorter, stout, and just kind of a, a little, uh, uh, just a box in there. You can't move. <laughs> Fire hydrant. Can't move. Yeah, there you go. Can't, can't get them off. Uh, all, all those guys, like they're, they're pretty solid. They are really, really solid. He's a solid player. Uh, I get us to the Chargers. L.A. Chargers, man. I, I can name them all. All the defensive picks, I absolutely love. Um. Derwin James, Achina Nwusu. I'm going to go with Nwusu because Derwin James I've talked about enough. He gives them yeah. that Cam Chancellor. But Nwusu gives them a guy that they can put in that pass rush to complement what they already have with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. This is a guy that can be that fourth or fifth rusher, meaning when they line up sometimes and they have Bosa kicked inside, he can come in and play. Uh, he's an upgrade over Jeremiah Atachu that they had on the outside. And I think he's a little better than – God, who is the other guy? Uh, fifty-one, that plays for them. That came from a smaller school. Oh, uh, I know you're talking about. I know you're talking yeah. about from one of the Dakotas. Yeah. Know? So I think he's an upgrade over him. Nwosu should give them some pass rush ability. Plays hard, and I think what Gus Bradley has put together on that defense, man, a bunch of hardworking players with athleticism and speed. This defense is going to be like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they rival the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of the way that they play. I think they have the right pieces in place to be dominant. No, I, I hear what you're saying. They're loaded on defense. I thought it was fascinating. Just after taking Derwin James, they took Kazir White, who's another kind of a box 
you'd use him more as a box safety, maybe even potentially moving him to linebacker. I haven't heard uh, what they've said on that, how they're going to use him, but uh, definitely an explosive uh, box player, no doubt. I'll go Dylan Cantrell, the wide receiver from Texas Tech. They fished him out there in the sixth round, who's got some real size and outstanding uh, catch radius and ball skills. So in the sixth round, pick 191, I thought it was good value there uh, for the Chargers. How about the Oakland Raiders? The Oakland Raiders is interesting because Oakland Raiders took a couple of offensive tackles that are Tom Cable projects. And I'm going to go with the second of those two choices, Brandon Parker from North Carolina A&T. And the reason I'm going to go with him, when you look at his tape athletically, he does have some intriguing traits. Now, you could argue that maybe they took him a little high, but to take him into third round and to say that this is going to be a guy that compete, let's be honest, they have Donald Penn who is aging. They needed another tackle because they weren't necessarily happy with Austin Howard. They needed some athletic guys. And so we have seen Tom Cable try to do it in Seattle with guys that they convert from defense to offense. But now he has two athletic guys, Colton Miller and Brandon Parker, that he can try to take and make those guys into high-level starters. Let's see what he's able to do. But I do like the skill set that Parker displays. Yeah, very raw. Definitely a raw dude there. You're hoping uh, Tom Cable can work some magic there and, and, and develop. First, everybody knew he was a first-round type player, except for the heart condition. He falls to the fifth round. That's just everybody knows that's a good pick. Uh, but I'll go to PJ Hall there from Sam Houston State in the second round. I think people might be shocked he went so early, but really, really twitched up, explosive interior rusher. So to pair PJ Hall up with Maurice Hurst, you can make a case those are the two best interior upfield rushers in the entire draft. So I like that combination of those two guys. I like that combination. Those two guys working together. Um... When they were really, really pretty good a couple of years ago, uh, Mario Edwards Jr. was able to be a disruptive player on the inside. Really made life easy for Khalil Mack when he won that Defensive Player of the Year award. Now you didn't get that same effort from Mario, but now you got two guys that can really push for playing time, get on the field. I think it should make life easy for the outside rushers. All right, time for you to make your Royce Freeman speech. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't going to go Royce, but let's go for Royce. I think Royce Freeman is not only going to be the starting running back for the Denver Broncos, but I think he is going to be the next in line like a Kareem Hunt in terms of coming out of third round, being a guy that really surges to the top of the rushing charts because he's big, he's a pretty nifty runner for his size, and the thing that people haven't seen is he can catch the ball out the backfield. I think he's one of the every down, three down running backs in this draft. I think he landed at the right spot. This is going to be a nice value for the Broncos because I think this dude is going to be a frontline player and a big-time player. Yeah, I, I look, I, I'm with you 100% on the value there in the third round. And then Deshaun Hamilton, we've talked a bunch about being a great value pick in the fourth round, the receiver from Penn State. But I, I want to throw Isaac Yidem out there, uh, the corner from Boston College, who's got some size and length, can be a press corner. You lose a keep to leave, so you want to add some more size into that room. And I thought uh, the item there from BC was good value there in the third round. No, I think it's pretty solid value for sure. All right, get us to the NFC. Well, we can go to the world, the defending world champion, Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to go with their first one, Dallas Goddard, tied in South Dakota State. You talk about getting a Zach Ertz clone. They move on from Brett Sutherland, but now they have two guys that are very, very similar in skill set. And you think about the creativity of Doug Peterson and that offensive staff. Look for them to go more 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, packages where they can spread both those guys out and really put your defense in a bind. I love the creativity. I love the idea. And he's a really good player, too. So I like what they're thinking and what they should be doing in the fall. Well, I'm a big fan of that pick. Jordan Mailata, the rugby player they got in the seventh round, the tackle, he came on our set there in Dallas. Buck, he is enormous. 
you know, obviously making the conversion there from rugby to uh, to American football is going to take some time. But man, what a uh, impressive looking athlete! His rugby highlights. If you haven't seen him, just look him up. I'm sure. Oh, they're this is so ridiculous. You can find him on YouTube. It, it's hilarious. It's like he's playing with the little kids. Uh, but I thought, look, in the seventh round, again, I'm all upside. Get me in the sixth, seventh round, take some upside, some developmental guys. Uh, that definitely fits the bill there when you go get a big rugby player. I mean, you, the one thing, I saw, he was so impressive with the ball in his hand. I was like, man, maybe, maybe make him oh, a yeah. tight end. Maybe you get, or maybe he's, he's the tackle eligible guy. Pounds. I mean, geez, you just don't see guys at that size that can move around like that. He looks like a solid man. Like he is well built to be that kind of size. It's crazy. He looked like he, you see him. He looks like he's 280 pounds. He's 345 pounds. He's so dense. Um, all right, keep us rolling here in the NFC. Skip to the Cowboys. Man, the Dallas Cowboys, people are really upset at them because they didn't take a wide receiver early. They didn't get a tight end early. But I'm going to say the guy that really helps them move on. How about Dalton Schultz, fourth-round pick from Stanford, the tight end? And the reason I'm excited about him, when you look at the way they're trying to rebuild this wide receiver core, they have all these pass catches, all these little guys, the guys that are kind of like Volkswagen bugs that can get around and make things on the Autobahn. But Dalton Schultz is going to be that run-blocking tight end, and they're going to need that because they're going to lean heavily on Ezekiel Elliott. Look, he's not going to be Jason Witten, but he is a pretty rock-solid guy on the edge. Can catch the ball, and I think he's probably a better pass catcher than we give him credit for. Remember, Stanford is known for producing tight ends. I think this is a solid pick. Fourth round, they addressed the tight end position. I think they still would be better. And talking to David Shaw, they had two younger tight ends he believes will be first-round picks. So there weren't a lot of balls to go around to Dalton Schultz. That's why the production wasn't there. Uh, but definitely uh, something to work with there in both the run game and the pass game. They didn't take a receiver in the first round. Maybe folks were upset about that, as you mentioned, Buck. But getting Michael Gallup from Colorado State at pick 81 is tremendous value. Uh, he's going to play a lot early. I think he'll be one of the more productive rookie-wide receivers and turn out to be a really good value pick there. Hey, man, I like him. He is a combat catcher. Catches the ball well in traffic. He is tough as nails because he takes some big shots catching these end routes at Colorado State and doesn't flinch. He is what they really wanted. I'm not saying he's Dez Bryant, but I can see them putting him in at Dez Bryant's spot and allowing him to do some of the things that Dez does because he's a consistent pass catcher and he is tough when it comes to catching the ball in traffic. All right, Redskins. Redskins, I mean, Darius Geis, I'm going to say, look, I know he failed. He may have fallen for who knows what, whatever reason. But to get a first-round talent at the bottom of the second round, tremendous value. But not only that, a, tre- a tremendous get. The Dar- Darius Geis gives them, I think, their best running back since they've had Clinton Portis in the backfield. And I know that's high praise, but I think this guy's a grinder. He's tough. He's physical. He has great vision. And when healthy, he has home run potential. He is a guy that I think we can strap up and see him go for 12, 13, 1,400 yards as a rookie. Yeah, look, he was my 17th overall player. Uh, so going 59th overall, that's that's a heck of a bargain there. I'll go to the sixth round of the linebacker, Sean Deion Hamilton from Alabama, who's been beat up a little bit, uh, but productive. You know, he can make plays. He's got some range sideline to sideline. He's got exposure. Fell style defense there at Alabama. So, uh, round number six, I think getting him, good value pick. Uh, I can get down with that one. How about the Giants? You know, the Giants, obviously, Saquon Barkley is a huge pick because they elected to bypass uh, the quarterback of the future to get him. But I'm going to go down and I'm going to talk about Lorenzo Carter in the third round. Lorenzo Carter is someone that typically uh, the Giants wouldn't necessarily take because they're a team that is in transition. They're going from a 4-3 to a 3-4. And in that 3-4, they need an edge player that is extremely athletic. Well, Lorenzo Carter is that. I know you have Kareem Martin slated to play ahead of him. And on the other side, you have Olivier Vernon. 
But I believe Lorenzo Carter can probably craft out a nice role. We have seen him. There's some games where you turn on, like the Notre Dame game, where he looked like the best dude on the field. Other games, he's dormant. You don't really see him. If they can find the right button to push to get him to play at that high level that we've seen at times, he could be a tremendous addition to their defense. Yeah, look, very explosive, uh, long, fast. Uh, he can do a lot of different things. Got some versatility, stand up, rush, cover. Uh, I like that about his game. I'm gonna go with one right after him though. B.J. Hill, uh, you know, doesn't have a ton of production. B.J. Hill didn't, but when you watch him, you see the first step quickness and explosiveness he has. The problem was the rest of that D line was getting home before he could get there with Bradley Chubb and company, uh, just so loaded up front. But B.J. Hill to me, uh, the traits you, you're buying into the traits with him and hoping the production is gonna come. Absolutely. I mean, look, a lot, a lot of mouths to feed on the defensive line, so you got to get to get to the table quick. Not a lot of leftovers. <laughs> and so he didn't get there soon enough, but it, I do like everything to have. I liked him. I think he's a solid pick, and I think the guy that went to San Francisco is also pretty solid. We'll talk about him later. Uh, All right, Min- get to Minnesota. Minnesota Vikings. How about Mike Hughes? I know it's the first-round pick, but Mike Hughes, to me, is really the embodiment of what the Minnesota Vikings have done. When you look in their secondary – DJ, their secondary is loaded with first-round picks, and I don't think yep. people really pay close enough attention to that. Xavier Rose, Trey Waynes, Harrison Smith, uh, Terrence Newman was a first-round pick. Now you're adding another guy and Mike Hughes to the mix. Mike Hughes doesn't jump in there with a lot of pressure of having to jump into a prime role. He can kind of find his way as the nickel of the dime and eventually make contributions. I love how smooth and fluid he is. I think he's diverse enough to be able to do a bunch of different things. This is a solid pick by the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, look, I, 15th overall is where I had him. He went 30th overall, so that's good work there by uh, Rick Spielman and company. I, I'll go all the way down, though. I have to. I'm not just being a homer, but sixth round, Colby Gossett from App State. Oh, I thought they might take a guard early. Such a homer I pick. Thought, no, he's legit. I thought they might take a guard early. He got a chance to get on the field here, and I would not be shocked. Trust, I really think he can compete for playtime uh, early on here. He did a great job at the Senior Bowl. You put him up there against all those interior rushers, he held up just fine. Uh, so six-round interior guy. Uh, he's got a chance to be a starter. Uh, I'll go with the home team, Colby Gossett. All right, here we go. Detroit Lions. I'm going to go to the fourth round, pick 14, 114 overall, Deshaun Hand from Alabama. Part of the reason I'm intrigued by this pick, they really wanted to upgrade their defensive line. You lose Haloti Nada. Um, you're trying to figure out how you're going to reshape this defense. What kind of versatility does Matt Patricia want to have with his defense? Deshaun Hand was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. And I know the production at Alabama wasn't spectacular, but he is a really good athlete and player. I think in the right system, he can kind of be one of those nice, productive role players to get him in the fourth round. Not only is nice value, but it really is a nice job of finding a solid player who really could evolve into something that is much, much better than his draft status. Well, that's good value there, fourth round. How about the pick after him, though? How the heck is Tyrell Crosby? there in the fifth round I'm still waiting for that story to emerge this felt like Grady Jarrett the year Grady Jarrett fell to the fifth round and I'm sitting here going what what is going on why is he not being picked uh, I could not understand it with Tyrell Crosby I think he's a he's a starting right tackle who could eventually play guard if you wanted him to um, but to get him where they got him in the fifth round at 153 overall was was stealing it was still I mean solid pick he was upset he was mad about it uh, this is a guy that's been a long time starter did a really good job doing his time at Oregon don't know why he didn't go, but, I mean, I know they have to be happy to see him sitting there. They have to be all about it. I think we're going to co-sign on this next one here with the Packers. I think we're on the same page here with a guy that came into studio that was uh, a really good value there in the sixth <laughs> round. Are we on the same same guy? We are on the same page, but I was going to do it in a different way. I believe the Packers 
tripling down at wide receiver is outstanding. Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Gentling, and then Equinemius St. Brown, three receivers that are tall, lean, athletic to fill into that wide receiver room. I love it. You talk about needing more weapons around Aaron Rodgers. I like all these guys. Equinemius St. Brown should and could be the guy that is like Donald Driver that goes late but emerges as a legitimate number one receiver in this team. Yeah, I couldn't say it any better. Yeah, that's exactly we're on the same page there. Let's get to the Bears. Man, the Bears, the Bears do such, they did such a great job. I think James Daniels is the one that I'm going to go with. I believe mm-hmm. that they have probably been the best team in terms of trying to build around the quarterback. Well, what they've done is they've added pieces that will allow them to be more balanced and take some of the pressure off Mitch Trubisky. And Daniels, you get a guy that can play guard or center. You can put him in the starting lineup, and they should be right now. When I look at their offensive line, this offensive line should be one of the best ones in the business. And so Daniels' athleticism, his versatility, allows him to be able to run the ball right into A-gaps, but also keep Mr. Bisky protected so he doesn't get pressure right up the gut. Yeah, Daniels, one of my favorite players in the whole draft. But I'm going to go fourth round. Joel E.A. Beniwe, the linebacker from Western Kentucky, who – it is a lot like Darius Leonard, who went in the second round. So to get uh, EA Beniwe in the fourth round, pick number 115, I thought was great value. Has that lateral range, sideline to sideline, and uh, is going to be a nice fit there with him. Oh, absolutely. Should be a very, very nice fit. All right, New- keep us going here. What we got next? Here we go, New Orleans Saints. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go with this. And I wasn't necessarily in love with the player, but I do like what they're trying to do. Traquan Smith from Central Florida. When I looked at him on tape – I was still trying to figure out what is he. Is he a big play specialist? Because he doesn't necessarily play fast, even though he does have speed. He doesn't necessarily overpower defensive backs. But he makes a lot of big plays on tape. And then I'm looking at what Sean Payton typically does. He typically gets these guys that we don't know, we have questions about, and then he puts them in a system, and they look like stars. We saw him do it with Mike Thomas, who – Look, he was a solid player. I didn't know he would be the player that he is, but I believe Sean Payton does a great job of elevating the performance of his players. Traquan Smith could be the next one. To take him in the third round, says they have a plan for him, that they value him. He is going to take Willie Sneed's place, and I think he's going to be another guy that's productive for them for a long time. Yeah, ver- big vertical, big vertical stretch guy uh, there with Traquan Smith. I'll go to the pick after him, though. Rick Leonard from Florida State, offensive tackle, former defensive lineman, does not have it figured out yet. But he's got some size. He's got a nasty temperament. So to me, fourth round, you got somebody you can work with. Probably a year away from being able to play, uh, but a nice, a nice piece of clay to mold there uh, in the fourth round. Nice piece of clay to mold. Oh, I'm how about a, the Panthers here, Buck? I, I think I'm gonna take. I think I'm gonna take your guy. <laughs> Maybe not. Go for it. Maybe not. Rashawn Golden from Tennessee going to yep. the Carolina Panthers. This is a nice pick because we've talked about him being arguably one of the best nickel players. The Carolina Panthers intend to move him to safety and allow him to kind of play and use those instincts. They really made him a nice nickel, a solid player in the back end. I like his instincts. I like his toughness. I believe this is going to be a really good pick. They're invested in him because they use a third-round pick. They have a plan, and I think that plan is actually going to come to fruition. I think he could be a starter when they open up the season week one. Who was uh, who was a kid from Iowa, Godfrey? Uh that they had drafted several years ago as a corner and ended up moving him to safety. Oh, yeah, 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 Charles. I think it's yeah, Charles yeah, Godfrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they uh, same type deal here uh, with Golden. Uh, Ian Thomas, you knew I was going to go there, the tight end from Indiana, one of my favorites in the draft. I see a little bit of Antonio Gates just in terms of how he his movement and his smoothness and just how 
uh, easy he moves after the catch as well. So Ian Thomas from IU, uh, fourth round. I thought that was uh, definitely value pick there. I would have taken him in the second round. Wouldn't have blinked. So to get him in the fourth round, I, I love that pick. How about the Falcons? Man, the Falcons did a really, really good job. Look, I can talk on and on about Kevin Ridley. But how about Isaiah Oliver? Isaiah Oliver joining this squad in the second round gives them another corner. You can't have enough corners that can play man-to-man and also play that hybrid cover three. He's long, he's range, he has athletic. Marquand Manuel would do a great job of integrating him and putting him in a position to get on the field as a sub-package player to really complement what they already are doing with Robert Offer on one side, Desmond Trufant on the other. Isaiah Oliver should be able to carve out a nice role as a rookie. Yeah, one of our favorite players that came through, too. I mean, uh, just impressive when you talk to him. Uh, just a really, really mature. So uh, I like that pick there, no doubt. Uh, Russell Gage, one of the best special team players in the entire draft at LSU, the wide receiver, probably the best gunner in the draft. Uh, he's phenomenal on special teams. So he might be somebody in the sixth round you get that maybe blocks you a punt or, or forces a fumble, wins you a football game on special teams. So I'll go with that one. How about the, uh, how about the bucks? I'm going to double up again uh, because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a nice draft. I thought they did a great job in the second round. I love the Ronald Jones pick, but I'm going to stick to the two corners, MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis. And the reason these two guys should be immediate contributors is because they haven't gotten the kind of production that they wanted out of Vernon Hargraves on the outside. So when you don't necessarily get that production, double up, get two guys that are physical, do a great job of putting their hands on wide receivers. They disrupt and I think the overall theme of the Bucks draft, they want to be a tougher team. I don't think they felt like they had enough toughness. MJ Stewart, Carlton Davis, not only gives them coverability, but it gives them some much-needed toughness on the edges. Yeah, I had to get some uh, some youth there and some talent to add to that cornerback room. They did that. How about Jack Sitchie in the sixth round? Injuries forced him down the board. Mm. Uh, I think if he's totally healthy and you just go off what you saw in 2016, especially – in games like Ohio State and LSU, he looked like a second-round type player. So sixth round, his health checks out. He's going to be able to get on the football field. Good value. Very good value. The L.A. Rams, Micah Kaiser, fifth-round pick, comes in. He was a tackling machine at Virginia. I mean, he he made every tackle. Not the most athletic guy, but with instincts and awareness, he did a great job of controlling the tackle-to-tackle box. Whenever we pull up the depth chart on Path to the Draft and we're looking at the L.A. Rams, we're like, they need some players. <laughs> this is a solid player in that defense. Remember, the stars of Wade Phillips' scheme are always going to be the front-line guys and the back-end guys. The linebackers can be guys that just understand how to get off blocks and get to the ball. Micah Kaiser certainly knows how to find the ball. He did it better than anybody else in college football the last three or four years. Yeah, no, I can get with that. Very instinctive. I'll go John Kelly from Tennessee, and and I'm not even doing this for Sully. Sully's not even here today. So uh, John Kelly is a very, very aggressive runner. Numbers weren't what you would like there at Tennessee. You expected a little bit more in the production side of things, but uh, I like his style. He's an angry runner in the sixth round. I think it's a nice compliment to Todd Gurley. And, and uh, looking for younger backs, kind of sprinkle in, give him a couple carries, cover some. John Kelly can get that done. I think he absolutely can get it done. Moving up to the Pacific Northwest, how about Rashad Penny, first-round pick for the Seattle Seahawks? And I know the Penny pick took a lot of people by surprise, particularly in the first round. But here's what I saw. I saw a team that has not been the same since Marshawn Lynch departed. And the value that Marshawn Lynch had, not only was his tempo and toughness, out of the backfield, he might have been one of the best running backs that could catch the ball and run routes out of the backfield. Early in Russell Wilson's career, he leaned heavily on Marshawn Lynch in critical situations in the pass game. 
Rashad Penny is a guy that has similar traits and characteristics as a big-bodied playmaker out of the backfield. I believe he is going to help Russell Wilson become more consistent in terms of directing this offense. He has an underneath check down that can give them big gains. That's going to make him even more effective as a, as a dual-threat quarterback. Like somebody that grew up in San Diego, I can get on board with the uh, San Diego State running back, no doubt. How about uh, Shaquem Griffin? We talked so much about him on draft day. Great story, great football player. I'm excited about that one. But I'm going to go to the punter, uh, Michael Dixon from Texas, who is one of the best punters we've seen in a while. He's outstanding. So in the fifth round, uh, you've got a starter that can hold down that position for a decade. I think there's uh, there's good value there. Sneaky good pick. Very, very good pick. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. I'll also like the kid that they took from Washington. Was it Will Drizzy? Um, the uh, blocking they, tight end. Blocking tight end. They need Driz, Disley. They needed somebody that could help them continue to be the physical team that they want to be. They got to get back to that style. That's the best way uh, for them to play. All right, Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, this is a tough one for me, but I'm going to go with the quarterback. I'm going to go with Josh Rosen at number 10. And the reason, I think, is the fact that they ignored all the stuff about him and they took him, and I think it's a great fit because I do believe his personality actually matches up very, very well with the head coach, Steve Wilkes, and Mike McCoy. When you look at what Josh Rosen is, high IQ, he can beat out Sam Bradford to get on the field, and I think you now can begin the process of building this offense around him I like to pick. I think it's a nice franchise pick for them. I'll go Mason Cole in the third round because you got somebody with five position flexibility. I'm big on having uh, your lineman that can cross train and play different spots. You know, I think center is ultimately his best position, but he can get you out of game at any of the five spots and having a lot of experience moving around there at Michigan. So I think there's value there. It allows you to maybe even save a roster spot when you have a guy that versatile. So I think there's a, Definitely value there where they found Mason Cole in the third round. We got one team left, the 49ers, Buck. Ooh, the 49ers, the pe- people are anointing them Super Bowl people. How about Jimmy Garoppolo being ready to hit a Kirk Cousins? That's crazy after seven games, huh? <laughs> well, the top Bananas. 100, that's it's all, it's all about it. So let's go uh, Dante Pettis, second-round pick out of Washington. You know, it's tough because I felt like he's a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde player, meaning when he has the ball in his hands as a punt returner, he is a heat man. He's a tough guy. He's Conan. Doesn't play with the same physicality and toughness consistently at wide receiver. We will see if they can get it out of him because if they do, he has some intriguing traits. Size, toughness, catching the ball, making things happen with the ball in his hands. He shows it as a punt returner. I would expect him to be able to do it as a wide receiver. Yeah, I'll go Contavious Street coming off an unfortunate ACL injury and a private workout with the Giants, but they got him in the fourth round. Going to be a redshirt year for him, so you're not going to see him this year. Uh, but I thought, you know, hey, you get some solid players that can come in and help you right away, and then every now and then you take a shot on the long term, and that's what they did here with Contavious Street, who was on that vaunted uh, defensive front there at NC State. He can stand up, can play with his hand down, uh, is really, really well, so... Uh, to me, you've got something to work with there in 2019. If you don't uh, see it in 2018, that's okay. Absolutely. I think he's – I mean, he is a freak athlete. And so to get a guy like that in the fourth round, stash him for a year, you bring him back, he could be like a – he's like a bonus pick because his athleticism and talent suggested he would have been a second-round pick all day long. All right. Before we get out of here, I mentioned it at the top. Let's let's just go with your, your best fit for a running back and a team – and let's agree to take – let's take Saquon out of the mix. So we can't say Saquon Barkley. Just your favorite fit of player, uh, team scheme, what have you, uh, in this entire draft, running back and team. What is it, Buck? Sonny Michelle with the New England Patriots. Um, the reason this works for me is uh, I believe Sonny Michelle is very, very similar uh, skill set-wise to Alvin Kamara. 
and then I'm looking at the New England Patriots. It has been a while since they've had like a true dude at running back. They've been able to get by with Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead and uh, some of the other guys that have kind of rolled through their James White. But now you're talking about an explosive player, a five-star athlete that is going to play in that system. Man, he could be a guy that really kind of sets the trend. I think he could catch 80, 85 balls out the backfield while also being a guy that can run it. I love this fit for him. I think he is the perfect New England Patriot out the backfield. I hear what you're saying. His ability to, to do everything there is going to be a valuable chess piece for Josh McDaniels in that New England offense. But I'm going to go to his college teammate, Nick Chubb. And I just think when you look at Nick Chubb with the Cleveland Browns, his style of play versus with that city, that that town, that team that's trying to build an identity and toughness is, is a way that they're looking there. I think it's a perfect match. His inside, the tackles, power and strength. It's going to be a nice compliment there. And Carlos Hyde, you've got two bangers. And then you've got Duke Johnson who can get out there, uh, catch some balls out of the backfield, backfield and be very versatile in that regard. So I like the backfield that they've built there. And I think when you look at Nick Chubb, I think he's got the capability of being a little bit of a workhorse there for that football team as you're trying to take some pressure off your quarterback, um, grind out the clock, play great defense. I can kind of see the formula they're trying to build here and put together in Cleveland. And I think Nick Chubb's a great fit. Oh, he is absolutely a great fit. They want to be a hammerhead team. They want to come grind, get downhill, be physical, team in with Carlos Hyde, and just kind of wear people out. They are building a team that looks like an AFC North team. Um, look, I've talked about it. Like the supporting cast that the quarterback, Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield, will have is a much better one than they've seen in previous iterations in Cleveland. This team on paper looks like a much better team than the one we see. We'll see if the wins translate uh, once they get into the fall. Now, I think the wins are coming. I really do. I think this roster is in much, much better shape. There's a lot of talent there. I just can't see them having the same struggles they've had over the last couple of years. Well, there we did it, Buck. Went through all 32 teams, our sneaky good picks uh, for all 32 teams, our favorite uh, running back fits in the league. A little Jason Witt news. Anything else you want to hit before we take a little two-week break here? No, nah, that's it, man. We kind of covered it all. I think I'm excited to hear about what takes place in Ricky Minicamps over the next couple of weeks. So when we reconvene, we should have a lot of nuggets to drop on the podcast. Yeah, that we will. And thank you guys so much for, for listening, for downloading, to subscribing. Uh, thanks for leaving us some of those uh, reviews and rankings on Apple uh, Podcasts. We do appreciate that as well. I uh, hope you enjoyed all the draft coverage here on Move the Stick. And like Bucky said, we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk about what we're hearing. Uh, that's going to do it for us, though. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.